I never trust an absolutist ever. Like, right. even if I say Wait, what my on. name is, too you just said you never, ever never. trust yep. an absolutist. Never. A hundred percent of the time, you cannot trust an absolutist. Aren't you? <laughs> there aren't is you zero knowingly, percent chance. That aren't you, you knowingly saying what Obi-Wan said that only a Sith <laughs> deals in absolutes? Yes. When he said that, I'm like, that's an absolute statement, Obi-Wan. You did. Listen, listen, I used to be a Sith, but I've changed. You remember I told you I learned I had yeah, tolerant people. I, I've learned to say that there are few absolutes. <laughs> there, there are few. There are few absolutes. For example, yeah. I can't think of any. <laughs> thank you first of all for joining me for being on my podcast but also just for the work that you do um I've been following you since probably 2016 2017 and one of the things that I really like about your approach and about the the way that you deliver your message is that you are very direct you're very upfront you don't back down from things that you say but you still say them in a very respectful way that's non-insulting you deliver it in a way that's very thought-provoking and very welcoming and that really helped me when i was kind of on my initial deconstructive journey because i didn't feel like if i decided to stay i was an idiot and i didn't feel like if I came to the other side, if I became atheist or agnostic, that made me, you know, I had to be like an angry, loud person. <laughs> um, and so I just, first, I wanted to just throw that out there and say that I appreciate your style and your approach. Well, thank you. While I want to accept the compliment as is, I also want to add some clarifier to it that uh, just not backing down isn't always a good thing. No, no. Because yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not that I'm just going to be stoic no matter what. I right. will change my mind if I'm wrong, and right. I have been shown to be wrong, yes, a couple of times, and uh, and I'm always embarrassed about that. <laughs> and I try, I try to be very careful that to to minimize the number of times that that happens. Right. But I've also found that that if when you realize that you're wrong, own it immediately, yes. and that's the best course. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I've been lucky in life that, you know, at one point I was raised in the South, I was raised in Arkansas. So at one point I legitimately thought I was this Republican Baptist conservative girl. And <laughs> I luckily had enough people with patience and guidance in my life that as I did change my mind and as I did change who I was and what I believed and and my opinions they still allowed me to do exactly what you said and to go back and be like, you know what? I feel like I was wrong with what I said before. I was misinformed, but I still admit that I said those things and that I have since found enough evidence that in my opinion supports this change in who I am as a person. Well, so well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I've had to adopt this because uh, it, it, when you have a, it, when you get a large audience, and a lot of people don't care about this because I've seen people with enormous audiences who just lie all the time and they just don't give a damn. It doesn't seem right. to matter to them. They right. just keep on lying. But for me, if I say if there's two sides to the argument, 
And I don't like to look at things in terms of dichotomy, but in this case, we are at least talking about two extremes. We're in one side, the religious side, and a lot of political activists, too, are just going to defend their propaganda no matter what. But on the and, and it doesn't matter how many lies everybody tells there. Right. Nobody's going to call anybody. But on my side, yeah, uh, if I get something wrong scientifically or historically, especially if I get something wrong historically, historians are real buggers for this. Somebody will write a whole book to complain about how I got something wrong. Right. Right. That's wild. <laughs> My too. own allies will do that. Yes. That's wild. And and I've discussed this with people, with guests I've had on the podcast before. One of the things that first made me transition from being a super religious person to being, you know, agnostic is that I felt like when I spoke to somebody regarding the lack of religion, you know, their lack of belief, they would often say, I don't know, when I would ask them a question that they didn't necessarily have the answer for. But I feel like one of the hallmarks, at least for my experience growing up Baptist, was that somebody always had the answer and nobody ever admitted when they didn't know something. And so I feel like it's it's a lot easier to believe somebody and to trust somebody when they say, I don't actually know the answer to that question. That's a great question. I'm going to look that up as opposed to no matter what, they've always got a long winded answer that doesn't make sense or isn't very helpful or doesn't really answer the question at all. They just have to solidify the fact that they always have the answer. Yeah, I got into a, that argument with one of with, with the last the last boss I had when I was working in a corporate job for 14 years, I worked in the job that Mr. Incredible had. Do you ever see the movie The Incredibles? Yeah. Where he sits in that cube farm denying insurance coverage to little yes. old ladies. That was my job. Oh. And when the camera backed away to show the cube farm that he's in, I'm like, oh, fuck, that's my office. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, I remember that place. Yeah. And it was exactly that job. The little old lady wasn't in the cubicle with me. She was on the phone, but that, but that's that was the job was to specifically deny insurance coverage. I was so happy to get out of that job. Yeah. But I got into an argument with my boss, not the same one Mr. Incredible got into with his. Um, we got into it over religion because my my boss, well, actually not my boss, my boss's boss's boss was a young earth creationist. And so he he started he he got angry at me because he couldn't understand. Uh, logical arguments uh, um, like uh, if you're good at one thing you 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 can still suck at something else and still be good at this one thing and I'm he living couldn't... proof <laughs> well I mean everybody is right, yeah, I mean, nobody, right. nobody's good at everything and uh, but but I mean this guy this guy was criticizing me because how can you know anything about science when you're such a poor salesman I hate selling things to people. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, when I started this job, I wasn't supposed to sell. I asked not to sell. You moved me into a position where I now have to do the thing I hate. Right. And right. <laughs> if you're such a good scientist, how come you're so bad at construction work? Mic drop. You know. <laughs> exactly. Right. So he asked me a bunch of questions, like you know, for uh, demanding that I explain where did this come from, where did this come from, whatever. Right. And so I start to give the answer. As soon as he realizes I have the answer, he would interrupt that answer and ask me another question. He doesn't want to know the answer. But we did this like nine times where he kept interrupting the answer to ask a different question until he finally got to what, what happened before the beginning of the universe, some, something like that. 
And then I said, well, we don't actually know yet, you know, but, but I didn't get to explain why. And he says, see, you come to a point where you can't answer. And I said, see, I had all the answers to every other question, and you didn't. Your, your religion didn't have an answer for any fucking thing. Right. It never does. It doesn't answer this question either. I don't know. Therefore, magic is not an explanation. That is not the answer. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes, yes. So I was in debate for years. That's how I paid my way through college. And it's wild to me how many people think that because so like they ask you a million questions and if you try to ask them the same question back they don't think they should have to answer it they think that in order to win all they have to do is trip you up and you know in a round maybe that's how that works but in the real world if you ask me a question and I ask you that same question back and you don't want to answer it you know that doesn't that doesn't make you a winner. <laughs> how does it, like, just, it, as a debater, it just makes me crazy to see that. Cause I'm like, that's just, that's not how, like what, oh, gosh, the double standard is just wild. Um, yeah. So I realized I wasn't going to be in that job uh, much longer. <laughs> yeah. And that apparently makes you a really <laughs> bad scientist too. So, you know. Yeah. I, I remember salesman. when I, I had to take a, I had to take an extra couple of days off once upon a time. Is it because I, I, I said, I need to get this time off because I've been invited to go speak at a conference in Ireland. And I live in Texas. You know, people yeah. don't leave the country. Like, yeah. And I'm like, Ireland? That's a whole nother country. <laughs> it <laughs> is. Yeah. And they get all excited about it. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm supposed to share a stage with Richard Dawkins. Yeah. Yeah. And was that when you were touring with like Matt Delahunty and those guys? Or was that a different time? No, this was a, this was a different time. This was actually the first time I ever got off this continent. It was wow. in 2011. I went to the World Atheist Conference in Dublin. Wow! But but I was invited. Yeah, my first time uh, going out of the country. They they did actually want to put me on the stage, and they were they did they put me on a stage with Richard Dawkins. So I shared a stage yes. with Dawkins. But uh, and that was in 2011 when that was a particularly big deal. Yeah. But the thing is, I had to tell my boss this that that people are treating me like celebrity when he just treating me like a peon because my sales numbers aren't what he wants them to be, and. When I said I was going to share a stage with Dawkins, they said, is he the one in the wheelchair? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, how did you respond out of curiosity? Uh, well, I, I was very polite about it because, you know, this was this this wasn't my time. This was my boss's boss. <laughs> not my boss's boss's boss, but but he was in the room when we had this conversation, so it was <laughs> equally awkward. And then there was another time when they were going to fire me because of taking all this time off because I had miscalculated the international dateline. I mean, I just I just calculated my flight that I was going to land on Monday, and so I'll be able to go to work on Tuesday. But I didn't realize that we're, we're yeah, it was, but but it was the it was the world's longest Monday. It was like a 48-hour Monday. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I, I have I had all of Monday twice. And so when it was time to go into work, I still haven't slept for two days of that Monday. And so I'm I was all I was just toasted. Yeah, like I didn't sleep on Monday. I also didn't <laughs> sleep on Monday. <laughs> this is just a little too much. Yeah, That's I slept wild. on neither of those back-to-back -back Mondays. That's wild. So what is that like? 
living in Texas with the views that you have and the reputation that you have given Texas views and Texas reputation? I don't know how to compare myself to to other people because, I mean, I've never watched a football game. I can't understand how people watch. Why? I Would, don't know. Why did anyone ever sit down and know. watch a football game and finish it? Because it's... it became illegal to watch beheadings, I think. They stopped beheading <laughs> people, so they had to come up with something. Well, well then there, there are other things, too. I mean, like uh, my... my favorite flavor of, uh, of you know, microwave pizza. They change it. They, they keep all the others, but they take away my favorite flavor. My favorite flavor <laughs> of Gatorade. They changed it. They, yep. uh, they they discontinue whatever whatever I like. It gets discontinued. Whatever I don't like gets perpetuated, and I I just feel like I'm completely out. Uh, I look at I look at car companies, and and uh, I get the same thing. I I, I hate that car companies are never going to produce what I want. <laughs> You know, I can advocate, hey, this is what we should have. And they just go the opposite direction entirely. I actually called Chevy to complain that they came up with it, among other things. <laughs> I, I, I complained to their R&D department, not even kidding. <laughs> I, I complained that the Chevy Blazer, why the hell you call that a Blazer? Look at it. A, a Blazer is a, is a short wheelbase sport truck that's supposed to compete with the Ford Bronco. It's meant for off-roading and for customization. And what did you come with? It, you you came up with a car. It's just a car. Don't call that a don't call that a blazer. A that's, that, that's that's a that's a that's an insult to the heritage of blazer. Call it a Chevette because that's what it is. <laughs> don't you know who I am? I'm friends with Stephen Hawking. <laughs> don't you know? Yeah, I've never actually met Stephen Hawking. I was in Cambridge one day uh, while he was still alive, and the the people that had brought me out. Uh, offered to take me to his house to meet him and i was very excited about that but when when i actually arrived in town they had to rescind the offer because they said that his health was very poor and in yeah. fact it was only a month or two before he died yeah yeah that that makes sense i i imagine he was you know fragile in terms of like what he could be exposed to and especially in those last days and yeah, you it, also know james randy too right or you knew james randy i did i did i've been to his house a couple of times i'm so jealous when i heard that you had met james randy he's like he is my spirit animal <laughs> J james randy lives with me whether he wants to or not james randy was was very very sweet i, yeah. I had run into him at a bunch of different conferences and he was always what he was always welcoming. He was always very friendly. He he recognized me. I don't know that he always knew remembered my name, but he, he remembered this overall visage, which I guess is not that much of a challenge. But he he would he would welcome me, talk to me yeah. like a friend, you know, have me sit with him, have lunch with him, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. I liked him for the the same reasons we were talking about earlier. I loved his approach to he was always kind he was always welcoming he was always inviting and all he wanted was proof and evidence that's all he wanted but he wasn't a bully he didn't make fun of people he didn't roast people he just allowed them to prove on their own like he allowed them to roast themselves on their own by not being able to to prove or or find evidence to to no, you know, their magic yeah, that that's another thing I should comment on. That um, people will say that I hate Christians, and my response to that is: is that's like saying that doctors hate their cancer patients. Right. 
you know, I want to help them not right. be Christian anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I try to, I try to dispel that as well on my podcast. I'm like, this is not an, a Christian hate podcast or a religion hate podcast. This is a, I remember what it was like. And I wish somebody had said these things to me years earlier, that these these beliefs are options. You have other options. There are resources for you to question everything. And if at the end of the day, you still want to believe what that original religious belief was or spiritual belief was that you held, at least you know why now. You've done the research. You've come to the decision on your own, as opposed to the pressure or the fear or the indoctrination that a lot of religions subsist on. And I think as long as somebody has come to their own conclusion and done their own research, have at it, you know, do, do what it is you do, as long as you're not infringing on somebody else's rights and abilities as a human being, as long as you're not telling anyone else that they are, you know, damned to hell because they don't do things the same way that you do. People, I feel like if you do your research, you're allowed to believe whatever you want to believe. But it's so easy to ask a question to somebody that they don't know the answer to and immediately be told that you're attacking them. And that's not at all the yeah. case. I've, ne I've never I've never made any position my identity. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've never made my identity dependent on holding a position. I mean, change my mind. It's not going to change who I am. Mm -hmm. But other people have that uh, faith has always been advertised as a virtue that you need to stand fast in your convictions and and hold true and never you know no, don't stop believing holding on to that feeling and so forth as as Journey put it. <laughs> but I, I don't I don't I don't get that how that's a virtue when you're wrong. Admit it. <laughs> yeah, admit you're exactly. It's not like why is it embarrassing to admit you've ever been wrong about something? I. I'm wrong all the time. I am wrong so constantly that I'm actually surprised when I'm correct about stuff. Uh, but, <laughs> but, and I think um, another thing that I think makes it so difficult for people to be uh, to allow themselves to question their faith and question their their identity in terms of whether or not they still want to be religious or not is that one thing I do remember about at least my experience in the Baptist Church was not only were you taught that there were consequences if you don't believe, which makes me wonder, is it true belief if there's consequences? But also, if you ever start to question your beliefs and if you ever start to wonder if it's true or not, that's the devil getting in there. Yeah, so, the, you know, the so then in the details, right. And so then when you do start to deconstruct, you're like, oh, no, this is the devil. They always warned me about when in reality, I, I, it might just be curiosity. Yeah, a Christian friend uh, told me that that if I ever said anything convincing, it is only the devil speaking through me. I'm like, oh, that's 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 a great way to avoid reason because faith <laughs> yes. faith is just all about you know unreasonable beliefs assumed without reason and defended against all reason, isn't it? Yeah, that that is the most brilliant way I've ever heard somebody say, "I'm gonna think what I'm gonna think, no matter what you say." That's like that's <laughs> I'm gonna use that from now on. I'm gonna be like, by the way, if you say anything to me that makes sense that is against what I said, that's the devil. So there you go. So I heard. I, I believe it was an interview that you did once where you mentioned that you, when you were younger, religion wasn't necessarily pressed on you very much until you were kind of old enough to understand what it meant. 
What was it about atheism and agnosticism that made you decide you really wanted to kind of make it your your life's work almost like what what was it about that introduction that first introduction to religion where you're like not only do I not want to be involved but I want to help other people decide whether or not they want to be involved as well well I wasn't I wasn't groomed to be skeptical I just wasn't groomed to necessarily lie to myself the way that faith requires that you do and I didn't realize for the longest time consequently that 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 that's what faith it means that faith means assuming things without reason and, def- and and defending them no matter what. So my first experience with that was, I remember reading a bunch of, I've been given all kinds of ridiculous books when I was a kid. I mean, just, just counter or, or illogical, irrational conspiracy theories, uh, everything from well, it's a good example, Zachariah Sitchin and Chariots of the Gods. And so I was given that when I was like 12. Wow. And so I'm supposed to read about these time traveling, either aliens or time traveling modern people going back to the Nazca lines in South America and all of that. And so I'm supposed to believe in, in uh, I was supposed to believe in the Loch Ness Monster. I was supposed to believe in, in time travel. I was supposed to believe in extraterrestrial visitation, all these different things, Bigfoot, everything. I was told that the Loch Ness Monster was a fact. I was told that Bigfoot was a fact, that flying saucers were a fact, all of this. Really? So, yeah. So, uh, and I had no, I, I, I didn't know the correlation between all of these things and rationality, skepticism. I was never taught anything along the lines of philosophy. I was told that that skeptics are cynics who are missing out on the big picture that only believers can appreciate. So there's something about huh. gullible credulity that makes people happy that believing things that are not true is somehow I, I guess something along along the lines of ignorance is bliss. I was about to say that it's like kind of in that vein, yeah. Yeah, and and I always and I, I had that argument with 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 one of my superiors. I think it was a babysitter when I was eight years old, nineteen seventy one. I was <laughs> when I was eight years old, and this uh, and the, the, one of my babysitters was arguing with me, and and she she said ignorance is bliss. And my counter argument in the next breath was, but knowledge is power. <laughs> Did she like explode in that moment? Just like, uh, like one of the that. things that she yelled in my face was, how dare you question God? And uh, I often heard res- the resuscitation of um, a recital of, uh, of ours is not the reason why ours is but to do or die. They didn't like people that asked questions. Because they didn't have answers. Right. And my questions threw them. I mean, I didn't think it was that unusual for an eight-year-old to know that water is H2O. I was pretty sure everybody knew the chemical formula of water is, is H2O, right? H is hydrogen. That it's like means the first thing you learn, I feel like. Yeah. So it's two hydrogens and an oxygen. Now, I didn't know what the chemical constitution of wine was, but I knew it involved sugar and alcohol. And later in life, I figured out what the chemical difference is between H2O and these is just you add some carbon atoms in key locations and you can make you can make water into alcohol and, and into fructose if you add carbon atoms in just the right places in the construct. But I didn't know that when I was eight. 
Yeah. So I asked my babysitter, how did Jesus turn water into wine? And specifically, how did he make it go from two hydrogens and an oxygen to whatever, <laughs> whatever alcohol and fructose is? Yeah. And she like had an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> she was probably what, like 17, 18? How old was this? Person? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she just lost her mind. That's when she yelled at me, How dare you question God? But I feel like if God were real, don't you think that he would, and by you, I just mean the, the general you, don't you think that he would almost encourage you to do research and get answers and follow him based on facts and evidence, right? I know that Christianity doesn't want you to think that and religions don't want you to think that. But I like to think that if God were this man and he existed, he would be delighted to find out that research and questions and, you know, evidence were what brought you to him as opposed to ignorance and rather not answering questions or asking them to yourself because they're scary or you might not like the answer. I don't know. But the biblical God would not. But I well, like yeah, to think that the real dude God would maybe. I yeah, the, the distinguishing biblical God from the real dude that was one of the first problems that I had with religion. Uh, I remember asking a prayer when I was twelve, and I, I asked the prayer just like it says in, in Matthew. I think Matthew ten when it says that. Where uh, is it? Matthew no Matthew six five and six, where it says that do not be like the hypocrites who pray out where they can be seen. You know, you pray in the privacy of your own room. And so I, I did. And I demanded that God explain himself. Because I just tried to read the Bible, and I didn't I didn't even get out, through, out of Genesis before he chucked it across the room and discussed. This is, yeah. not, this is not God. I mean, I was told that, that the Bible is the word of God, and that God is love, and that God is, is the ultimate wisdom. And how many pages do you have to get to to realize that there's no wisdom in this in this book? This <laughs> and there's a lot of punishment and death and sadness. There's, there's ignorance. There's superstition. There's abject stupidity. There's hatred. There's 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 racism and sexism and and classism and. And then, you know, people, people who, who, who have uh, scars across certain parts of their body cannot approach the tabernacle. People who have had their testicles crushed cannot enter the tabernacle. It can only be beautiful people who enter the tabernacle. What kind of a fuckhead God makes these kind of rules? Right. Obviously, God isn't making the rules. This is ignorant, bigoted, superstitious savages who are making these rules. Right, right. So, and if man is made in God's image, why are there ugly people in the first place? that are now not allowed in the tabernacle. Like, I is God ugly and he's just jealous? Like, what's what's the reason there? If people are if if people are made in God's image, then why is God an ape? That was my problem. <laughs> then why is God an ape? <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, and and why would God any God worthy of worship would not allow there to be a hell? I concur. Yes. Like, so that's, that's what gets me. And I know that this is one of like the, the, uh, dare I say, overplayed points that people who aren't religious make all the time. But I still, I ask people all the time. I'm like, if God already knows what you're going to do, he already knows. 
And yet he gives you the free will to still do it. For those of you listening, I did air quotes to still (laughs) do it. And he knows that what you're going to do is going to be something he considers a sin. And he already knows before you do it, when he still has the chance to stop you, that you're going to do it. And then you get sent to hell for doing the thing that he could have stopped you from doing. Yeah, it's just. Would you stop your child? If if you know that your child is going to do something and you set it up that the child is going to do that, you know exactly what the impetus is. You've set the bait and the trap. Yes. And you know the kid is going to do it. So narrow is the path to redemption and wide is the road to hell because God likes people in hell. Yes. it's. Would you allow your child to walk 25 feet into traffic and just get hit by a truck when you could stop them at at any point? Like, you know, it's just, it's wild to me. And so I tell people all the time, I'm like, if God is real. And it is the God from the Bible. That is not somebody I want to worship anyway. Here's a logical argument you may appreciate. If God is omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent, Mm -hmm. then he was in the room for every child molestation and did nothing but watch. Nothing. Nothing. Yep. And that was one of the, the things that really was kind of the last straw for me was because my dad died when I was one. He was actually carrying me. He stopped walking. He handed me to my mom and he just fell over dead. Like that's how fast he he passed away. And people would say, you know, oh, God has a reason for everything. He has a reason. He has a reason. And, and, you know, God likes to teach lessons. And I remember asking people, what lesson exactly was my mom supposed to learn there? Because she was a devout Christian her whole life. She prayed every single day. We were in church on Wednesdays and Sundays and sometimes on Saturdays. She prayed over us every single day. She read us devotions. She bought us copies of the Bible. She she played VeggieTales for us. What lesson was she supposed to learn by being made the single mom of two out of nowhere with no warning whatsoever after growing up as poor as she did with no running water? Like what, what else is there to learn? I don't, I'm confused because that doesn't make sense to me. If you could enlighten me, that would be great. Yeah, I, I heard uh, somebody did a show on this, which was which was funny that they do a, a movie or a TV scene dedicated to this this uh, level of skepticism where somebody said that, that the reason your child died was that God needed another angel. And the mother says, well, then why didn't he just make another angel? <laughs> didn't he just make another <laughs> angel? Not only that, but if you read the book of Genesis, half the angels he gets, he sends to hell anyway. So, like, who is this guy who's taken babies to replace angels? And you don't become <laughs> an angel. Angels and humans are different species. They're totally different species. And then if they mate, I learned recently, you create the Nephilim, which are apparently just horrible giants that pillage and plunder but that's a whole other thing (laughs) because i learned about those recently i was like i don't remember hearing about this in bible school but that's fine that's and so when you were a kid so your parents encouraged you to believe in things like the loch ness monster along with now they were mormon your parents well my mother was mormon my biological father i don't think he ever identified or none of them really identified with a denomination they decided they just they consider themselves christian and but the, my father summarized his entire theology says i just believe in the man upstairs and that was pretty much it 
the rest of the family, they'll tell me, well, we're Christian. Yeah. And they don't even know what that means. They've never cracked open a Bible. They don't care what it says. They don't know what a creed is. They don't know what being Christian means. It being Christian means the t-shirt you wear, the coffee mug that has a cross on it. It's just the same thing as wearing your Dallas Cowboys uh, paraphernalia. It's just, you know, okay, so you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. You're, you're a Christian. That's the same kind of thing. They just, it's however you identify. They don't understand there's any more meaning to it than that. So people will tell me that that they're better than me because even though, and I'm thinking of a specific case here, even though you're a, you're a drug addicted alcoholic fornicator on your fourth marriage and your fourth felony conviction, you're still better than me because you're a Christian, even though you don't know what the fuck that means and you refuse to crack open a Bible. And doesn't the Bible say that if you marry somebody who's been previously divorced, you should be stoned to death because that's adultery? Pretty sure it says that in there. How would he know? <laughs> just, th- just throw a rock at him and be like, sorry, I thought you were a Christian. Like, I thought that's what we were doing here. Yeah, that's like, yeah. it's, and so here's, if I had to pinpoint a problem that I have with organized religion, I'm going to say Christianity because that's the one that directly impacted me growing up. But organized religion in general is that you are the general, you are allowed to say that you are a part of that group and not follow a single rule. You eat pork, you wear mixed fabrics, you marry divorced people, you don't stone your daughter in the street, even though she's not a virgin, even though that's what you're supposed to do. You do all, you do the complete opposite of everything that the Bible says makes you a good Christian. But if I do all of the same things that the Bible says are against Christianity, because I have a different label, that makes me a bad person. Like, because I identify as non-religious, we're doing the same things. We're both breaking the same rules, but because on Sundays, I don't pretend like it's all fine and well. And I go and I, you know, put money in the offering plate or something like that. For whatever reason, I'm a worse person than the people who break the same rules. And I just wish, I guess, that people would stop claiming that they are literalists when they're not. They would stop saying, well, I do this because the Bible says I do this because the Bible says when they just pick and choose what they're going to do, at least just admit that much is what I wish the general populace would do. If you do what the Bible says, then you can go to the go to the houses of your neighbors and murder them, uh, kill everybody and take the preteen children if they have not known a man by lying with him. And I don't know how you're going to make that determination, but you're able to take those preteen daughters as sex slaves and they become either wives or concubines that's your choice that's if you do what the bible says to do yes so i've often said that anybody that uses the bible exclusively as their moral guide or as their exclusive moral guide would be a criminal in every country on this planet literally and and i've noticed that the people who say they take the bible literally are actually quoting things that aren't mentioned in the Bible at all. They're anti-gay, they're anti-abortion, they're anti-all these things that the Bible never actually says. And, and another thing that I've noticed is if they if the Bible states it literally, the Bible says, do not eat pork. People say, 
Well, it was a different time. You know, this is a metaphor. Pork was different back then. You could get really sick eating it. Same with shellfish. So that's why we're allowed to do that now. If the Bible is ambiguous, ambiguous, it's like, oh, Sodom and Gomorrah, maybe they were just rapists. And so that's why we burned them. People are like, nope, it means gays. That's what it means. It means gays. He's not (laughs) metaphorical. He's literal. That's what it means. And you're like, no, hold on a second. That just doesn't make any sense. So they'll get a tattoo, right? Even though the Bible says you, you're forbidden to get tattoos. Of a cross. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you can have shellfish uh, because that was a different time, right? Except that both of those are prohibited in Leviticus along with homosexuality. So why, why do you accept that homosexuality is an abomination, but getting tattoos and eating shellfish is not? Right. Does it say only read these verses of Leviticus and ignore the rest? Yeah. Yep. And even the Ten Commandments, even if we're like, okay, get rid of everything. We're just looking at the Ten Commandments. Did you mouth off to your mom? You have broken one of the Ten Commandments. Do you think your neighbor's wife is hot? You are breaking the Ten Commandments. The oh, There's ten. There's literally ten. That's it. You just got to live by these ten. I like to call Except the Ten Commandments. There's not. Decent advice. And that's another thing that people don't get. There's not ten commandments. There's, there's 14 commandments, as many as. There's 11 to 14 commandments just in Exodus 20, depending on how you interpret it. And then that list continues on through, Levit- through uh, Exodus 21, 22, 23. Uh, and then you get to Exodus uh, 24, I think it was, before Moses comes down with the, with the, the, his all the edicts and all of the, the, the covenants and all of that. And then he breaks them, all the, all the laws of God, everything put together. And it doesn't give a number. So then he smashes them and then has to go back up the mountain to get the second edition. And now God says that he's going to write everything exactly the way it was. And the first two are paraphrased from the way they were. And this is the first time, in Exodus 34, is the first time the Bible refers to the Ten Commandments. And apart from the paraphrased, not exactly identical, but paraphrased first two, all the rest are different. So that in suddenly, instead of thou shalt not kill, it becomes thou shalt not see the baby or see the kid in its own mother's milk. That's the 10th commandment. What does that mean? You're not supposed to boil a baby goat in its own mother's milk. Oh. So you can't you can't fry buttered goat if the butter came from the mother cuz that would be creepy. If it came uh, from and a also different the, goat, could you do it? It it was I think it's the 4th commandment in the original set that says honor their father and mother and here's the interesting note. Honor thy father and thy mother that thou will live a long life. So if you don't honor your father or mother, you won't live a long life. Does that make sense? It does, actually, when you look at Exodus 34, because that one clarifies. Now it's just become the fifth commandment, wherein it says that that the parents are to bring their firstborn child to be sacrificed on an altar to God, and that you can redeem if you have a, a if you have a goat or a chicken or whatever, you can redeem those child. But then there's all there's other passages elsewhere in Leviticus and also in Ezekiel where it talks about how people were sacrificing their children, and how Ezekiel, speaking on behalf of God, because that's what what's what prophets do, 
was saying that God created laws that were abominable and that the people could not live by, and that he did this just to horrify people by having them kill their firstborn sons. So Christians will say, that's not what that means. And then you get to Ezekiel who says, yeah, that's exactly what the fuck that means. (laughs) And it's awful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's literally what that means. And it's terrible. I I love, though, this image of God turning around and he's like, Moses, why are you back? And Moses is like, hey, I do you mind giving me more tablets? And God's like, that was literally my only copy. Like, (laughs) hold on. Let me. Number one was like, I think I like I think I said, like, don't cook a goat or something honor your father and mother so in the second set of commandments when it finally does say the ten commandments you are supposed to keep the feast of the leavened bread and you are supposed to keep the feast of weeks those are separate commandments but it's an entirely different set doesn't have any and and sacrifice your firstborn children and all of that there's none of that that. don't don't kill don't lie you know all of that don't commit adultery whatever yeah all of that is just right out and a bunch of the commandments that that most people don't pay attention to that are in the list are include things like uh, that female slaves are worth uh, five shekels where male slaves are worth 10. Damn. Even back then we couldn't break that glass ceiling. Like <laughs> not even as a slave, bro. <laughs> You're Damn. only worth half as much. Damn. <laughs> but that's in the commandments, right? It's not the first 10, but then that's the part of the Bible that didn't say there's only 10. So this whole thing comes from multiple different authors, and they're just trying to, why do they break have them break this first set and go be, get a second set? Because they had to appease two different cultures who wanted to be represented in this story. Interesting. And a lot of these things, a lot of these uh, commandments in the interim are lifted right out of, of Hammurabi's Stella of Law from several centuries earlier. Interesting. So why do you think those if you had to guess, why do you think those were ever rules or like, like the goat one? What do you think the deal was with that? Like, why would they even bother making that a commandment? The Jews were very much into cultural traditions. That's why you keep the feast of this and the feast of that. Yeah. And, and all of that. Uh, other people were were more looking for some kind of laws when there is no law. When, when uh, people were just desert brigands and so forth. I mean, I I read the Quran too, and that was amusing because those people were just desert bandits. Muhammad yeah. was just a desert bandit. That's yep. that's his whole deal. So he would he would raid the caravans of his own people and wage war against what was his own people to build his cult. That's wild. And yet I feel like that's very reminiscent of today's American Christianity. I feel like every day when you're on TikTok or you're on the internet or wherever you are, you're seeing one, you know, mega church pastor decrying another mega church pastor or one person like blaspheming another person and they're eating their own almost, it seems like. So maybe history repeats itself in that way. Yeah, it's it, it it's a sad thing. Christian nationalism just terrifies me. It's like nobody pays yes. attention to history. They don't read, right? They don't care what facts are, like at all. Uh, People are telling me all the time to just use the power of positive thought to change reality. Like if you can convince yourself that reality isn't the way it is, then it won't be. Yeah. That you just have to convince yourself that it's not, and then it won't be. Yeah. That's psychosis. Yes. That's 
Yeah, that's that's not the power of faith. That's the power right. of delusion. Right. Right. And so we we end up with these mega church pastors who get stupid, filthy rich saying the most idiotic things. Like this yep. this woman, what was the woman with the pink hair? An old lady with pink hair was yelling oh, at Jesus. Yes. Jesus broke down her bedroom door and came crashing in at noon to wake her up at noon, uh, <laughs> yelling about how he's going to take over or whatever, and he's going to enforce his power. And so she's she's chanting about you know, all these assertive things that Jesus is pointing at her and yelling at her. Uh, we know none of that happened, but people are giving her millions of dollars. Right. To say right. this ridiculous thing. And then there's this other guy, I forget the, the long haired guy with the leather jacket who talks kind of slow. I know he, who you're talking about. I don't remember his name though. Because he's kind of slow. <laughs> but he, he'll tell you all the time what Jesus said to him in the men's room at the casino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, a man named Jesus talked to me at a casino once too, but it's, it was an entirely different experience. <laughs> Entirely different. Um, yeah. I I remember as a kid taking road trips to go see Benny Hinn, like as if it were a concert, going to to see him and being like, oh my gosh, it's Benny Hinn, he's my hero, and it's just wild. It's just when you look back on it now, it's so just watching the clips, it's so obviously false, and it's so obviously grifting that I don't it just it boggles my mind to this day how people still fall for that and and when I meet people who are devoutly religious I don't dislike them I don't think they're dumb I don't think any less of them as people but I do feel a sense of sadness I guess it's very similar to when you know your friend is being catfished online or when yeah. you know that they that somebody is falling for something that they truly believe and they truly want to believe and they legitimately think they are doing the correct thing and you can see from a mile away that something's off they're being taken advantage of they're being dare I say brainwashed right and so when people think that anybody who's not religious is like mean or hates Christians or is a bully. It's in my experience, it's actually been quite the opposite. It's just been kind of sad to realize that everything that you identified with the entire identity you built yourself around isn't real. You know, I, I would love to believe that my dad is watching over me and he's proud of me every day and I'm going to see him again one day and it's going to be a big party, but that's just not what's going to happen you know yeah yeah I, I love my daughter too and i'm sure she loves me but does she really want to spend eternity with me <laughs> yeah 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 it's like like wait like he's always watching or like just sometimes like how often is always i'm just out of curiosity yeah, just always yeah, watching like, everything i every i was watching last night at 11 35 when you were at no <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like I'm just I'm I'm curiosity. How often is this guy watching me? Just just curious. Did he see me do those shrooms? I hope so. Yeah, it's there's nothing appealing about any of the religious perspective, but it, it's not just religion, unfortunately. And the, the, no. the big problem is that it it's because uh politics is even less rational than religion, then they are quite closely tied together and they're both yes. making moral pronouncements. Yes. That are immoral. 
Yes, yes. So, and I feel like that's a, I don't think that's a new thing, but I think it's becoming a bigger and bigger thing nowadays. Yeah. Like, I remember, you know, the Bush Gore election. I never once heard anything about Christianity versus atheists or anything like that. But something about the last decade, th- this this combination of if you're on this side, that means you believe this religiously and you believe this scientifically. And if you're on this side, you believe this religiously and you believe this non-scientifically or scientifically, depending on how you want to look at it. And it's, I feel like America has become unique in that way that you have to religiously and morally and um, what's what I'm looking for um, politically align with beliefs in order to be a part of that party. It's just bizarre. So what I see is uh, I see people on the right um, who are voting against their own interests. They are very poor. They're giving their money to the super rich to further empower the super rich. They're going to suffer the tax burden that the super rich will no longer pay. And they are too damn dumb to understand what they're doing. They're taking away federal regulations and restrictions and 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 such to keep uh, industries from poisoning their water and from, you know, taking away a bunch of their rights, which is the right is all about taking away rights, ironically. So they want to take away your right to bodily autonomy and Mm -hmm. they want to take away uh, rights of religious freedom because the Christian right tells you that religious freedom means that you're free to worship Christianity by any denomination you like, as long as it's not Mormon or Jehovah's Witnesses. So, yeah. So you you have to be exactly like you're 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 free to be exactly what they are, but you're not free to be anything else. Right. And if you're a Muslim, then you're somehow an atheist terrorist. Yes. So that's completely against the First Amendment altogether, right? So they're they're, they're trying to what they want to take away your freedom of speech. They complain that that we that we the left are trying taking away their freedom of speech because we're trying to control hate speech, which is not the same thing. No, it's not. <laughs> Unless that's the only kind of speech you know. Yeah, if, you if, know, if, you're, if your whole thing is that you just want to be able to yell the N word in the subway. And that's, you think we're taking that away from you? (laughs) Yeah, so, but but what are they saying about the left? Now, see, my understanding about the left, and and by the way, you can look this up. If you you just look up the definitions of of right-wing politics, left-wing politics, I think pretty much mainstream, it talks about how it's unfettered capitalism on the right. Just allow industries and corporations to take over everything and rule without law. They don't want any laws applied to them. They want to be able to do whatever the hell they want and take over and govern everything so that eventually we are we are on track to be a global uh, oligarchy so that uh, you know, corporations don't have national restrictions. They're, they're, they're international and you can't just go into 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 in a court of law to to change the policies of a corporation that doesn't work that way. So they're going to be independent of all that. People don't even realize the people on the right are just sheep. They have no idea what they're doing, but they think we are the sheep. They think we're the goats. They think we're the demons. They they actually advertise on their propaganda media that everybody who isn't a right wing conservative Christian is therefore necessarily a cannibalistic devil worshiping pedophile. 
And uh, you, because you can never have nuance, there's no such thing as a bell curve. You ever you have to be all the way on this extreme or all the way on this extreme. So yep. if you're not exactly on the extreme right, that means you're on the extreme left. You can't be in the middle. You can't be you can't be uh, a moderate. You can't, you know you have to be a full on communist because we, we don't understand nuance anymore. But but if you look yeah. up what left wing politics is, it is advocating for human rights right. over corporate profits. Right. So we're the demons. Because we advocate human rights. Yes, yes. Human rights. How much more evil can you be? Exactly. (laughs) And a big, also a huge difference is we are fighting for human rights, even for the people we don't like. We want everyone to have rights, even the people who want to yell the N-word on the subway, even the people who are marching outside of Planned Parenthood when somebody's just trying to get their, you know, ovarian cancer diagnosed. Like, we are even fighting for their rights. It was left-wing judges and such, left-wing courts that allowed the Nazis to have their day of demonstration. Yep, that's that's freedom of speech for everybody, even the yep. people I disagree with. Yeah. But what they say, they want to take away all our rights. And the Texas Republican Party platform was recently changed. And I need to talk more about this. I need to make a video specific to this. The Texas Republican Party platform is egregious. It is anti-gay. It is anti-trans. It is anti-everything that isn't gender binary. It's mm-hmm. anti-everything that isn't right-wing Christian. It is extremely, it, it's anti-Semitic. <laughs> it's a whole big bundle of hate. Yes. And it's, uh, it's, it's very disturbing to me that, it, that they, they want to decriminalize hate crimes. Yeah. Yep. They, want you, they want to promote the commission of hate crimes. Yep. Yep. Because that is somehow a freedom that you should have is to commit a hate crime. And the funniest thing about that is it's, it's so and if much- you don't believe me, if you, you don't just call me a liar, look up the Texas Republican Party platform and read it. Yes. It really does. It really does. The commission of hate crimes. Yes. And I think the goal there is they're actually hoping people won't read it. They'll just vote <laughs> for it, I think. But also yeah. the, you know, you mentioned it's it's all about like gender binary as well. And the funny thing about that is even if you're the wrong gender, they want to take your rights away too. So even if you're like, I'm a cis straight white woman, I would never dream of getting rid of my pronouns. I've done nothing but vote Republican my whole life. They're like, great, we're taking your autonomy away as well, even though you're one of us. It's just, it's wild. It's just wild. Yeah, they'll say Judeo-Christian only when they think that they need to include Jewish people. But the moment they realize they don't need to include you, that it's just straight up Christian nationalists and the Jews can go back into con- concentration camps for all they care. Yes, yes. I, I, I was talking to somebody about that just the other day, about how, especially Southern Baptists, they are obsessed with Jewish people. Obsessed. What the hell? <laughs> like, like, they wanna, everybody wants to go to Israel. Everybody wants to, you know, walk the, the walk that Jesus led. Everybody wants to name their son, like these Hebrew names. Everybody wants to get Hebrew tattoos. But when you're like, can this Jewish person buy something from your bakery? They're like, uh, I don't know about that. It's like, didn't you just say they were God's chosen people? I'm confused. I don't understand. I've never understood the hatred of Jews. I mean, if I mean, at least with, you know, certain at least with certain racist ideas. I mean, at least you can you can look at the person you hate and identify who they are. But we're talking about people. You have to have an interview with them to determine whether they're Jewish or not. Well, like, what are you basing this on? Yeah, 
So you, so Harrison Ford is a quarter Jewish. Do you one quarter hate him? I don't. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you one quarter hate him? Do you just skip the Star Wars movies he was in? I'm confused. How does the story still make sense if you do? Yeah, that? Leonard Nimoy, Spock. He was Jewish. Does that mean you hate him too? Shut up, dog. Yeah, my thought was cracking. It was a go-to. Um, well, I I want to be respectful of your time. I know we've gone a little bit over, but I I just wanted to ask you just kind of like a, a final question. Um, if you could give a message, if if you could kind of sum up a message to somebody who is on the fence, they're not sure if they're still Christian, they're not sure if they're atheist or agnostic. They they've got a lot of questions. They're very confused. What would you say to somebody who's in that position? Well, if you've got a lot of questions, that's that's a good place to be in. Uh, and, and that's that's we're, remember we're distinguishing people who who don't want answers from those who do. Right? I was always it, what started me on my atheism was that I had questions, and the clergy and the and the defenders of the faith refuse to answer those questions, or they'll lie about it. And one of the problems that I have is when people pretend to know things they don't know. That's probably my yes. biggest complaint with faith. Yes. My favorite quote from Abraham Lincoln uh, is that it's a st- it is an established maxim in morals that he who makes an assertion without knowing whether it is true or false is guilty of falsehood. And the accidental truth of the assertion does not justify or excuse him. So, if you say that you know 90 times 99 times out of 100 blank and you're just making up that statistic that's a lie if you say that you know things you don't you can't demonstrate your knowledge you don't know that if i often say if you can't show it you don't know it and if two people both both say that they know completely mutually exclusive things one of them doesn't really know that right so right. people will tell me all the time, I know there's a God. I'm like, oh, that's funny because I know there isn't. Now what? <laughs> yeah, and only one of us can be right, even if this is a simulation that we're all living in. Oh, that's another argument I absolutely love, the, the simulation argument. Uh, I was arguing about how we know for certain that Noah's Ark never happened. This guy is asking me, can you be absolutely certain about anything? And I say, yeah, we can be absolutely certain that Noah's Ark never happened. Not not the way to a Bible describes it. No worldwide flood, all that. And he says, but you can't even prove that you existed two weeks ago, and that and, and that you know all of your memories could be false. And it, 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 he's evoking last Thursdayism that everything is an illusion beyond last Thursday. Everything was created last Thursday, and everything beyond that is is fictitious. I'm like, okay, so either reality is real, and all the evidence says that Noah's flood did not happen, or Reality is not real, and Noah's flood did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is, you agree, Noah did not happen. That's yep. Either way. <laughs> I imagine debating you is like one of the most infuriating things on the planet, just because you have a good time and you laugh, but you're also like factually correct and you pull out the punches. If I were on the opposing side, I would probably have a bad time. <laughs> I don't like doing debates, though. This is going to be this is going to sound like a surprise. I don't like doing debates on stage because people just pull out a piece of paper from somewhere, right, and say they did this study and they determined X. Now, to my experience, every time a creationist cites a scientific paper that supposedly says what they say, 
if you have a chance to read it, you will discover it doesn't say that. Nope. It doesn't say that at all. No. Very often it says the very opposite of that. Right. But when you're in a live debate and they pull something out, how do you contest that? You, you, you just you just tell them they're lying. How do you know that they're lying? You have to right. read the damn thing. Right. So this is why scientific debates are done in writing, where both parties get a chance to, you know, you, you, I, I write something out, I write out an essay and I post it, and then somebody's going to respond to that. This is a written debate. So they get to read everything I've written. They've read all my, my citations too. And, and they should reply to that. Now, when they post something, and I've done this a number of times, they, they'll post their thing. This is, this study says this, this study says that. I read all of it and I say, no, it says exactly the opposite. And it also says some very compromising things to your position in addition to that. One of my favorite examples of that was when somebody wanted to, to take that there was a study that, that made out that mitochondrial Eve was only 6,000 years old. And so I went over the study and how they concluded that this, and I'm like, yeah. no, this, this is, there's, there's a range. And they're saying that on this study, it could be as much as, or as little as, depending on these averages. And so that the absolute fastest that it could be, and it says in the paper that no one believes this is the case, but it says the absolute <laughs> fastest is this. Okay, so the absolute fastest is not the median. That's not the average. That's no. not what the, what the numbers should reflect. But on top of that, the same paper also confirms that all people, all, all modern people at wherever they live in the world, all originated in Africa. And the guy that I was arguing with was adamant that his ancestors were never from Africa because he was extremely racist. I'm like, well, you you brought the study. <laughs> like, I'm just using the evidence you gave me, sir. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's and I th sometimes I wonder honestly if that is why so many people do the like DNA tests and stuff because they just they just want to prove that like not one part of them is from Africa. Uh uh. Like no, we're Swedish and German and Irish, but we're not and from what's, Africa. What's the big deal with that? Everybody in my family, when I was growing up, everybody was just exceedingly racist. My stepdad actually belonged to some racist organizations, not quite KKK, but a sister organization of the KKK. He 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 was encouraging me since I was 12 to read the Mein Kampf. That's how racist to, he like, was. To like agree with it? To... Yeah, he, he, he expected that I would agree with it. Yeah. I did eventually read it. And no, I didn't agree with it, but at no. least I had specific reasons I could show from the book as to why I didn't agree with it, yeah. which he was too stupid to understand anyway. But I, but I don't understand where, where the racist thing comes from. I think it comes from fear of the unknown. If what, I had to guess. What I get, what I get from, you know, historically, there's a whole lot of people and, and racists tend to very often hold these positions that, especially the creationists, there's a whole lot of creationist groups that think that, that, that different races of people were created on separate continents separately with the intent that they remain separate. That's, that's what the KKK advertises now. They are exclusively a creationist organization and they state as much. Yeah. They don't they don't believe in evolution. Uh, and one, one of them, I remember in an interview, he says maybe evolution for other races of people and for animals, but not for white people. They don't believe in evolution. 
So yeah, so there was, there was a number of anthropologists. Louis Agassiz, for example, thought that there were six species of people created separately. Uh, and uh, Carolus Linnaeus thought that there were four species of human. Did they think they came separately. from like four kinds of monkeys or like they were just oh, invented? No, no. The, just... That God created white Europeans, black Africans, red Americans, and yellow Asians. Hmm. Yeah, so he, he divided people up like breakfast cereal. Yeah, interesting. I, I'll never. And Darwin, Darwin was the first one to say that all of that was bullshit. He didn't say it. Now, now Franz Boas said it 16 years later in a short T-shirt caption, your little slogan that you wear in a single sentence. Darwin wrote it in several paragraphs on a whole page, but he said exactly the same thing: that there is only one race of people; that everybody alive is part of the same race. And he gave this beautiful, eloquent argument wherein he cites all these other scientists and how none of them agree with each other and nobody can tell what the hell they're talking about. There's there, Nobody makes an argument for race that makes any damn sense. And yet, and Hitler was arguing that he didn't believe in macroevolution. He said that belief in macro, that, 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 that evolution was only capable possible within limits, within a species. But he said that the, or, the evolution of new species or belief in the evolution of new species was a, was a sin against the eternal creator. And what irritates me is that Hitler declared himself to be a creationist in Mein Kampf, which I was forced to read, so now I yeah. know the argument. Yeah. And Darwin, his whole life, was arguing on behalf of the subjugated peoples. And he's always arguing in defense of indigenous folks against you know, imperialism and all of that. Right. He was, he was standing up for the little guy on every, on every corn. And um, he, he hated slavery. He said he would never go to a, another slave country again. He, he, he argued against the concept of racism. He argued against the notion of superiority and inferiority of races, all of that. But the way the creationists now put it is that Darwin was a, or that Hitler was a Darwinist and Darwin was a eugenicist. No, that Darwin was a racist. No, no, both of those are absolute lies, right? <laughs> and also, explain to me how it makes more sense that God created multiple kinds of people, put them on the same earth, but didn't want them to mix. He wanted to keep them separate, could have invented separate planets for each one of them, but he decided to put them all on the same planet, doesn't want them to mix. And that is easier to believe than. Maybe he put all of them in one spot and they moved around and they changed at over time. <laughs> like, I'm just like, how does that make more sense? Like if we're just, if we're just going based off of, does it make sense? I would argue their argument makes even less sense than evolution. Yeah. But that's, that's a topic we just go off on, but so my, my, my final answer to your question is, you know, be wary when somebody gives you an answer that they say that they know, look into it to see if they really know it. Yes. I never trust an absolutist ever. Like, right. even if I say Wait, what my name on. is too You just said you never, ever never. trust yep. an absolutist. Never. A hundred percent of the time, you cannot trust an absolutist. Aren't you? <laughs> there aren't is you zero knowingly... percent chance. Aren't you, you knowingly saying what Obi-Wan said, that only a Sith deals in absolutes? Yes. When he I said know. that, I'm like, that's an absolute statement, Obi-Wan. You just... <laughs> listen, listen, I used to be a Sith, but I've changed. You remember I told you, I learned, I had yeah. tolerant people. I, I've life. learned to say that there are few absolutes. <laughs> there, there are few. There are few absolutes. For example, yeah. 
I can't think of any. <laughs> oh, I could, I can. You either believe or you don't, right? So right. you're either theist or you're atheist. There is no agnostic middle ground. You either believe there is a God or you don't believe there's a God. Interesting. Do you, do you feel like that's a super controversial opinion? Oh, yeah, because people want to play, they want to pretend that there's a, set, a fence to sit on. Yeah. But there just isn't. Right? You're either convinced or you're not. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, and and you either believe truly or you are just doing what you know you're supposed to do to follow the rules and you don't actually believe. I feel like the majority of the time I was Christian, I didn't actually believe it. I just knew that I was in trouble if I didn't, quote unquote, believe it, you know, so... I feel well, like there even... are a whole lot of people that in that same position, and sometimes they'll admit it. Yeah, because faith is literally make believe. It, it that's that's all it is. Is you are trying to convince yourself of things that are not really true. I used to think that uh, that, that having a personal God was like having a magic imaginary friend, but no, it's not like that. It is that. It is. <laughs> if if your exactly imaginary that. friend was also obsessed with like murder and genocide and sending people to hell and and damning you to hell if you didn't believe exactly what the clergy told you to believe right because right. that's what it's all about it's whether you believe the clergy because you're supposed to give the clergy 10 percent of your income you're supposed to work for the clergy whenever they command and also you're supposed to provide the clergy with all the children they can fuck oof oof that's i think that was like the 12th commandment <laughs> I, uh, I often told a joke that uh, how do you tell the difference between uh, uh, Protestant and Catholic clergy? Oh. By which gender of child they molest? Oof! Bam! 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 <laughs> you have a budding stand-up career. I know it. I know it. But well, this has been an absolute delight. This has just been such a great conversation. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. I'm still just shocked that you got back to me as fast as you did. But um, this has been really insightful and enlightening, and I've really appreciated talking to you. And I entirely respect your work, and I wish you nothing but the best in the future. Thank you, and I'll, re I'll return that sentiment in kind. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Nice talking to you.